Hey everybody, if you're a child of the 80s and 90s like me, you probably watched Unsolved Mysteries, and it probably scared the crap out of you like it did me. If that's your jam, then you should definitely check out Perhaps It's You, a podcast hosted by Samantha and Liz, two children of the 90s who have a hilarious take on a lot of these episodes as they go back and rewatch them. Here's their promo. Were you traumatized as a child by watching Unsolved Mysteries? Do you like to judge facial hair? <laughs> Guess what? We have a podcast for you. Can you believe it? It's called Perhaps It's You, and it is an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Samantha. I'm Liz. We're two cool mystery ants, not really, <laughs> watch an episode of Unsolved Mysteries each week. And tell you about it. We update you if any of the mysteries have been solved. We rate the episode on a scale of Robert Stacks. We can give episodes a possible five out of five Robert Stacks, although it rarely happens. Very rarely. We also complain about what everyone is wearing. And it doesn't really matter if you know anything about Unsolved Mysteries or not. You should tune in because it's the number one podcast on iTunes. Yeah, you can find us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, most podcast platforms. You can also check out our website, perhapsitsyou.com, or find us on the social medias at Perhaps It's You. Yep. And get out there and solve some mysteries, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> this is True Consequences, a true crime and mystery podcast with stories based in New Mexico and the American Desert Southwest. Hello and welcome back to True Consequences. I'm your host, Eric Carter-Lundin. Today I'm going to be interviewing Amanda Kimbrell Romero. Amanda is the mother of Colin Romero. You may remember this case if you are from New Mexico. Colin and his friend Ahmed Latif were brutally attacked and left to die in the West Mesa near Albuquerque. I reached out to Amanda because I wanted to get her perspective on the issues of violent crime in New Mexico. Amanda agreed to an interview. We spent some time talking a little bit about the case. You'll definitely hear some of that. But mostly what we talked about were things that need to happen in this state to address these issues, because these issues really affect everybody. As a lifelong resident of New Mexico, it's really become a challenge to accept things the way that they are right now. There has to be a better way. There has to be something else besides what we're dealing with as it pertains to the justice system. Amanda and I spent some time talking about some of the things that we think can definitely help make some changes in New Mexico. And not that I want to go on a sidetrack here, but if you have been paying attention to the news, you do know that Fabian Gonzalez was released a couple of weeks ago. Now, Fabian has been implicated in tampering with evidence in the case of Victoria Martins. If you're not familiar with that case, I would encourage you to look into it. Amanda and I spent some time talking about the fact that the bail reform law really has changed the face of justice in New Mexico. So much so, the people who are being charged with the murders of Colin and Ahmed were on a violent crime spree prior to December 2018. I definitely feel that something needs to change here in New Mexico. I hope you'll join me and Amanda in working together to make sure that we can create a brighter future for all New Mexicans, especially children. Many of you may or may not know this about me, but my brother was murdered when I was five years old. He was nine months old. This was 34 years ago. His killer is still free. 
Now, the issues that are plaguing our state are not new. They've been happening for a long time. But we as a community need to wake up and really start looking into what we can do to affect change in this state. I know many people are frustrated and tired and upset. But if we all work together and we rise up with one voice, we can make real change in this state. I believe in that. I believe in the power of our community, and I believe that we are better than this New Mexico. So that's the end of my rant for today. Let's listen to Amanda and let's hear what she has to say about the issue. So I received a phone call on December 17, 2018, that uh, my son Colin had gone missing from his friend's house. He was having a sleepover uh, over the weekend with them for winter break. He told me that he just got into a car with a friend and left and never came back. And I asked him, why didn't you call me before this? And he said that he thought he was coming back. Showed me, sent me Snapchat videos of um, the Snapchat maps where they were where Ahmed's Snapchat was, was ending up, and it was on the West Mesa. Mm-hmm. I called into work immediately, and I went over there and was searching by myself because I thought, you know, maybe they got stranded or something. Sure. So, and they have no reason to be over there. They've never really been in that area. So I went over there, and I was searching by myself, and I actually got into an open field. At first, I was pissed at Colin because... You know, he always ends up getting into some jam or something, but he's not like a bad kid or anything. So I didn't think anything too bad. And then, but then I got into this open field and my heart just sunk into my stomach. And I I don't know for sure, but I feel that that is probably where they died. Um, I'm not a real spiritual person or anything, but something inside me said something was wrong. And I called the police and I made a missing persons report. I didn't know the details of it. I had no idea what was going on. He's never run away before. He's never disappeared before. So it was, it was hard for me to grasp that something bad happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went home that afternoon and went to bed. And then I went to work the next day, still calling his phone, texting his phone, like he's going to turn up. This isn't normal. And then I got another phone call from the boys' friends saying that a um, video had been released on Snapchat that um, the boys were being beaten and um, they were crying (sighs) in the back of a car, I think. I don't remember. And then I received another phone call that someone's told me that a girl received a picture of the boys in the back of a car dead and so i was freaking out i was like they can't be dead i called the other kid back and i was like they're they're saying there's a picture and he said they're not dead they're not dead they're out there i got a hold of somebody they said that they left them out there to die that they just beat them and, and they're out there and i immediately went out there with um some friends and family and back to the area that i was searching the day before and we started searching that area really good there was only a few of us, though. And then I think it was the next day. By this point, I am freaking out. Yeah. I am losing my shit. And I uh, ended up going on Facebook and putting out a public post. I need help. My son's supposedly out here. They said that they left him out here to die. It's getting cold at night. 
Um, they're naked. They have no shelter, no food, no water, nothing. And it was a pretty heartfelt plead for help. And you know what? Hundreds of people showed up. Hundreds mm. of people just started pouring in. Um, you know, people brought horses, dogs, wow. uh, jeeps, uh, you know, dirt bikes, I, I mean, every any kind of vehicle that you could get on that kind of rough terrain. And we ended up searching for two weeks. Every day there was just more and more people. And then on that Saturday uh, before we found them, if I had to guess, I probably would guess that we had about a thousand people out there searching. Wow. Untrained people were out there searching for two boys that they did not know. And it it was amazing. It really was because Colin always said nobody liked him. Mm. Um you know, he would get on people's nerves easily. And he just, he always had in his head that, you know, he was never going to fit in anywhere. And then all these people just showed up, kids, adults, you know, every walk of life, they just flooded in to find them. And it just, I wish he could have, I mean, I'm sure he saw that in a spiritual sense, but I, I wish he could have seen that people do care about other people in Albuquerque and it broke my heart that he he didn't get to see them those people coming out there and anyway so for those two weeks when we're searching you know I'm also hiring dog teams spending my own money to buy food water we got a lot of donations for searchers and stuff like that too and we were also doing our own investigation on people it was mostly through social media Snapchat Facebook Instagram uh, I had people from California that were investigating people. I had a, a private investigator that we hired to start kind of like scoping these places out, the people who were supposedly involved. Mm-hmm. But we didn't want to publicly say this person had something to do with it because everyone was angry with pitforks and stuff. And we didn't, we didn't want to put an innocent person out there because we didn't know for sure. But every single person involved were the people that we picked up. Really? They were, yes. And we did that. I mean, a lot of untrained people. Basically, nosy housewives were the ones that were finding all this information Doing, like, web sleuthing? They were. They did amazing. They picked out every single person, and sure as shit, it was all them. The only one that we did have two suspects for was Atkins, because his street name is Flex. There's about 50 Flexes here in Albuquerque. It was either him or another one that we had found, but... We narrowed it down to those two kids. Yeah. Well, I say kids, but they're men. They're just young men. Anyways, um, so yeah, so that we were we were having to do the search and the investigation, everything completely on our own, untrained, unsupervised. I mean, we were doing stuff that we probably shouldn't have been doing completely to find them. Sure. And then um, that next weekend when they were found, I. We actually knew the day before that they had found them, um, just through the grapevine. So was it one of these um, searchers that wasn't really trained that found them? or who? Um, So I can't say who okay. actually found okay. them, but um, if we hadn't have been out there searching, he, would, he was not actually a part of the search group, okay. but he knew that we were out there. He knew that we were searching, and he found something. That was out of the ordinary. Okay. So when he found that, he knew something wasn't right. Called down to APD, told him to come check it out. They went over there. 
They said, it's nothing. Hmm. And, and then they left. And then he called a sheriff from um, Sanibel County, a detective over there, and that he knew personally. And he said, come check this out. And he went over there. And then that detective, Frank Tomlinson, I think is his last name. He went ahead and called out a team of people because it wasn't right. He knew it. Was, he could feel it in his gut. Something wasn't right. And so they went out there and, and they discovered the boys. It's horrifying. I can't. Yes. I, I know I can't say anything to to make it not hurt or, or make it better. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping that shining some light on on some of the injustice and and on some of the issues in the state might help mm-hmm. make it so nobody else has to go through that. Exactly, and that really ultimately my goal is justice for uh, Colin and Ahmed, obviously, but. It is just future crimes against our youth. I, it breaks my heart. I see it on the news. Even before all this happened, it always broke my heart. I, I, I always wish there was something I could do. I've always been a helpful person. Yeah. But I never, like, had a calling, I guess. And I always wanted to get involved in the community, but not in the... You know, just throw money at the situation. Sure. I'm, I I don't think that helps because it usually lines someone's pocket that shouldn't be lined. Yep. And so, but I always wanted to do something. And now I feel like I, I, I can do something. I can help other families. I can help, um, you know, shed light on the situation mm-hmm. um, that our justice system is just kind of in shambles here in, in New Mexico and I'm not the only one that's frustrated a lot of people are frustrated and they're pissed off and they want change but how do you make change because there's not enough communication within the community to actually come together and demand it and get it yeah because we're all so spread out yeah in New Mexico yeah we're real rural <laughs> As, aside from this city and maybe Santa Fe yeah the the state's virtually empty yeah it is and it is. um uh, so it's been how many years has it been since they were found um well they were found in, in december 2018 so it's been about uh, a year almost a year yeah almost a year and and now the the whole process of you know charging the individuals that were involved and all that is starting to happen starting to unfold what are some of the things that you think should be done in the future or or could be done to help you know prevent what happened in this whole process um i would love to just call out snapchat right now actually um you can basically put anything on snapchat and um they do not contact uh local law enforcement in the area a lot of things are put out there that are just, you know, crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of even wonder what else is on there. Child porn, sure. um, murder, rape, things like that, that Snapchat doesn't even, you know, do anything about. Now, Facebook, if you were to post something like that on Facebook, they would immediately contact lo- local law enforcement and get them involved. Snapchat doesn't do that. So, like... Supposedly, I don't know this for sure, um, Goldman, uh, he had a habit of posting very violent crimes on Snapchat. And nothing was ever done about it. Hmm. Nobody was ever, you know, contacted um, with, by the author- or with the authorities and stuff. And um, he would just put stuff out there and get away with it, basically. 
I don't know that. But that that's the rumor, right? That is the rumor, yeah. That, <clears throat> I've heard it from multiple people. He would, you know, just beat the living shit out of you and leave you somewhere or, you know, beat the crap out of you at a party and, and film it. And then he was looking for some kind of notoriety or something, like very, like, weird serial killer type shit. It's, it's just hard to imagine why you know, why this all happened. I'm sure you ask yourself all the time. Um, and, and I'm sure there's no answer really, or, or at least we don't have one yet. Yeah. You might have one that you can't share, Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, my, my heart definitely goes out to you and, and I don't mean that to be patronizing. I really, as a fellow, um, person who's experienced murder and, and crime in my own household, my own family, mm-hmm. uh, I know how it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if these guys rot in jail for the rest of their lives. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't bring your son back. It doesn't. Um, and I know that at the end of the day, nothing's going to bring him back, but also at the end of the day, you know, there, there has to be, someone needs to answer for their crimes and people do need to, you know, do the time for what they chose to do. Yeah. And I, I said it time and time again, had it happened quickly and you know, you're in a vehicle, shit gets out of control and then, you know, it just escalates and they were shot quickly. If it truly was a supposed drug deal gone bad, that would have happened. It would have happened very quickly. I would have said, you know what? shit happens and it does because I've been when I was younger I was in situations like that Mm -hmm. or had I had a gun on me and things were happening I may have done something stupid too but they had two hours to think this through um I don't think it was an accident I don't think it was you know shit just went wrong and spiraled out of control two hours is a long time to torture someone yeah that's a very long time but they had to also escalate it and kill them. They could have left them out there. They could have stripped them of their dignity, embarrassed them, you know, humiliated them, put it on Snapchat, everything, and then just left them. But no, they had to take it one step further and, and kill them. There was zero reason for that. And I've been told by every single detective on the case, Colin was never, ever the target. It was Ahmed and another boy. Colin got into the car instead and he was never supposed to be in that car. So that, that hurts a lot. Um, not that I would want it to happen to any other child or a med, but it sucks for me, like in my, as his mother, that he was never, he never had a problem with these people. He never, he knew them through other people. They, he, they were more of acquaintances, and I was told over and over again they never had a problem with him. And that hurts. That it really wasn't supposed to be him. In that it's just senseless. It really, it really was. It, it is either way, no matter what boy was in the car and stuff, but it makes me even more mad. Sure. That he wasn't even supposed to be there. It sucks. What do you think that needs to change with our laws in New Mexico? Um, I think the bail reform law is the number one thing that is tying up the DA's hands, uh, APD's hands. 
that needs to be completely reversed. I think when it first got put into place, people thought that it would be low-level crimes, you know, panhandling Mm -hmm. or, you know, petty theft or something like that. Those types of people that would be released, not violent criminals. Nobody read the fine print and said, no, you have to be a violent offender and a flight risk. Yeah. So even if I go and... And, and shoot up a house right now. I'm a violent offender, but I have no connections outside of New Mexico. Where am I going to go? I'm not a flight risk. I didn't run from the cops when they came and got me. So I get to get out of jail until my trial for me to continue on another crime spree. Offending, yeah. Yeah, and there's been, you know, case after case of people being arrested for a crime. You know, let's just take domestic dispute as an example. And getting out because they're not a flight risk and then going and finishing the job. They should have never been released. So perhaps somebody got in a fight with their wife, mm-hmm. uh, beat them up, got released and went and killed their, their spouse. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what, what happens. And this, the, the Arnold system has, has been shown in every single state that it's implemented, that it is completely ineffective. It people don't realize what it actually means that they just let people out for violent crimes, murders, child rape, things like that. And the fact that we got all five of our suspects behind bars was huge. Yeah. It was for, for New Mexico. That was a big deal. I think it should be like that for every violent case. though. I actually got a lot of backlash from people talking shit that, oh, but they let, you know, this person out and they let that person out, but they keep, they're keeping, you know, Stephen Goldman Sr. behind bars. Well, Stephen Goldman Sr. was, you know, intimidating witnesses and stuff. How far was he willing to go to protect his son? Pretty far. He drove all the way to Las Vegas, Nevada to go not only intimidate a witness, but let that witness's friends know that he was a rat trying to get him killed in jail over there. So people were talking crap about that, not realizing what he was doing. But I would like to see that for every victim's family Mm -hmm. or victim, that these people are held behind bars, not just mine. And I don't want people thinking that I, I only care about this case. I care about every single victim out there. Absolutely. I think that's uh, it's very well said. And I think it's a problem that um, maybe not everybody's fully aware of. I know that people in New Mexico are aware of the crime statistics in Albuquerque, um, the issues that we're facing with property crime, with violent offenders, with muggings, all these things that are happening. A lot of that's stemming from this bail reform law that was passed several years ago, um, which was meant to help alleviate some of the strain on the city jail and the the county jail population. Uh, Basically, they were overcrowded to the point where there were 10 inmates or more per per cell. Um, They really couldn't pay for all of these inmates to be housed. So their response to that, the government's response to that was to basically catch and release. And so a lot of people in New Mexico know this bill as the catch and release law, where an offender will be caught, they'll be arraigned, and then they'll be sent home. And for somebody, I think you kind of alluded to this. I don't know if you if you can talk about this, but some of their behavior prior to the incident with Colin, these three people, um, some of their behavior prior to the the incident with Colin, kind of shines a light on the problem here. Yeah. Um, so a big problem with some of them is 
again, this is speculation. I don't have proof of, of this part of it, but people were scared to call the cops because why call the cops when they're just going to be released immediately? Very violent individuals. You looked at them wrong and they would just, you know, beat you and stuff. So that that's alarming that people people have gotten to the point where they don't even want to make a big deal out of something, out of a crime, because they're just going to be released. So why even do that? And then they, Goldman Jr. and Fabian, and then um, some other individuals that weren't involved, they were on a crime spree throughout several states. They were robbing pharmacies uh, at gunpoint very violently. There were other crimes committed that I can't talk about leading up to the boys but they were already on the radar of the police for a shooting that took place in November. It was a robbery, and they did try to kill those boys as well. They were a little bit older. They fought back, and uh, they got away. They went to the police about that, these boys and their father, and um, were kind of like, kind of dismissed, like, you don't have proof of this. You know, we need more witnesses. They kind of got dismissed and kind of pushed aside because they didn't have a lot of, you know, witnesses to it. But the police were made aware of, you know, the violent crimes that these people were committing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they thought maybe because they were so low level that they weren't anything to worry about. But I've seen a trend in Albuquerque with a lot of these younger up and coming gangs or whatever you want to call them, cliques, mm-hmm. they have no rules. They have no street code, nothing. Um, they're just kind of running around and, and killing people or hurting people. And they're not being reined in because they're not actually a gang. And we don't have our gang unit anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't have rope team anymore. I can't remember who dismantled those, but that was a huge mistake right there. Those teams, to me, were very, very valuable to Albuquerque, and they kind of helped curb that violent behavior because the, you knew someone bigger and badder was going to come after you. Yeah. And now these cops are being held to this outrageous standard that they can't hurt you or they can't, you know, rough you up trying to bring you in, and they're being sued right and left mm-hmm. for from criminals you know you can't be going around doing this shit and then expect to be treated with kid gloves yes yeah and so i really feel like apd's hands well i'm sure cops everywhere are just you know they they can't do anything about this and i'm sure they're very frustrated too a lot of them because they keep catching these people and then they see them the next day Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like a to me like a slap in the face to not only the victims and the community, but, like, to the police officers, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine arresting a violent offender and then the Justice Department just lets them go. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to get them again or you find them doing something worse or they end up killing somebody. Like, it's exactly. just... Exactly. It's mind-boggling that we're in this place. Exactly. It's kind of like, I guess, the broken window theory, you know? Talk it, about that. So... To me, if I'm, I keep using myself because I don't want to throw anybody else out there, but if I, if I'm breaking into your car to steal something, I probably have a reason and it's 
I'm just going to throw this out here, but more than likely drugs. Sure. Um, and I'm going to start escalating because, you know, I'm going to get more and more desperate. I'm going to get more and more brave. I'm getting away with it. I'm not being arrested for it. I mean, most people don't even call in to make a police report anymore when their cars are broken into. Yeah. Because they are so overwhelmed with all these calls that they can't even show up to them. Mm -hmm. So currently in Albuquerque, New Mexico, there's one cop for almost every 1,200 people in Albuquerque. So there's not enough cops for the citizens here to protect us and stuff. And then that's why... You know, it takes us to protect ourselves, protect our property, but then look, you're going to be sued by those same people who are coming to, you know, hurt you or break into your cars and stuff. And it's, it, as a law abiding citizen, it's like you're screwed from each mm-hmm. angle. And what are you going to do? You know? Well, then there's also the risk of retribution and being retaliated against when they get and eventually get out of jail, which is exactly is going to happen. Exactly. So I I haven't received any direct threats from the individual's families, but I have received a lot of warnings from other people saying that you know they retaliate families, friends. Um, I had to move because mm. of it because I was I was. Again, I never received a direct threat, but I was just getting such strong warnings that I I went ahead and moved because of it. And, you know, I didn't want to become another victim of theirs. Don't have the, the victim mentality. I won't ever have that mentality, but I will take it upon myself to protect myself. Yeah. And so, you know, I bought new guns. I kind of like prepared for them to come find me and a part of me kind of hopes they do because they'd be surprised but um <laughs> but then again I'm, I'm not going to just lay down and you know be their victim yeah I'm just not so what do you think people everyday people in the state can do to make a difference you know what I think communication with you know like-minded people i think is huge reading up on judges and laws before you vote on them again communicating with other people in your community that are on the same page as you and they're sick of the same things you're sick of realizing that you're not the only one that wants to see this change and so really getting out there and voting it has a lot to do with it I don't think a lot of people vote or they see a D or an R next to a name and that's automatically where they're going because they're Democrat or Republican. And me, personally, I research people before I vote on them. I don't care what side they're on. Yeah. I might lean to the right a little bit, but I'm not full-blown Republican or anything. I don't, I don't care what political party mm. someone is affiliated with. If their goal is... You know, to help the criminals, I, I'm not going to vote for that. Sure. Definitely not. But yeah, I think people need to just kind of get out there and vote and communicate more and get to know their neighbors, get to know, you know, their kids' friends, their their kids' friends' parents, and really kind of open your eyes to see that at any moment, any of us could be a victim of this. Yeah. I never thought something like this would happen to me, but I was never ignorant to the fact that it could be me. Or, or my child or my family member. I was never an ignorant person like that. But at the end of the day, we always have that mentality, not me. 
Yeah. And it can be. And, and I've, I've met a lot of parents who have lost children from every walk of life. Good people, poor people, rich people, you know, middle, middle income people. They, it doesn't matter where you come from. Violence does not see money, race, sexual orientation, nothing. Violence is, is very open to anybody. Yeah. And, and it's a huge problem here in the state and in the city in particular. And I think your point is, is well taken here. People need to know what's going on. They need to know what they're voting for. They need to know who their city councilors are and what those city councilors stand for. Um, because the city council has a lot to say with what goes on in the city jails and in the county jails. And, and they need to be held accountable for these laws. And who, you know, whoever was responsible for this fiasco needs to be held accountable or at least take some responsibility and some ownership and, and let's figure out something else and keep those violent offenders where they belong, which is away from the general public. I think that's a huge opportunity here. And, and that's part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because I feel like people need to be talking about this. And if nobody's going to talk about it, then I'm going to talk about it. And I was inspired by you just so you know why I reached out to you. I, I knew about the case when it happened and everything, but I never actually like looked into you or anything. I saw your Facebook page and some of the posts that you posted were really inspiring for me because you're not afraid to say something good, bad or indifferent. You know, you're, you're willing to, to stick your neck out there. And I, and I feel the same way. You know, I, I just feel like somebody has to say something. Exactly. I've had a lot of people in my life tell me I'm too outspoken I need to mind my own business. I need to shut my mouth. Um, I'm a part of a union and I'm, I'm not a union steward, but I act like a union <laughs> steward because I'm not going to let, you know, management get away with treating their employees like shit. And I've had coworkers and stuff tell me, why, why do you care? And I'm like, because I care. And even though obviously work is a, a stupid example, but I've always kind of been like that in general. Mm. And I've always been kind of a fighter. Uh, I, I love to argue. I love to fight. I, I enjoy it because what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And I'm not going to roll over and just, you know, take someone's bullshit. Or if I see someone else taking it and it's not right, I am going to step in. Yeah. Because there's been plenty of times in my life where I needed someone and nobody stepped up. Nobody helped me. So when this happened... You just saw, like, me kind of get up on steroids on right and wrong. And it really did call to me to, you know, help other families and stuff and be that very loud. Well, I try to be a very loud voice for, you know, victims and their families. And because a lot of people don't want to fight. They don't want to stick their neck out there. Like you said, they, they don't want any more problems. And I'm like bring it on to me. Yeah. Like I, I can, I can take that shit. I can, you know, roll with the punches and stuff. And this has been the hardest time of my life. Sure. And I've been through some pretty fucked up shit, but this has shown me how evil the world truly is and how screwed up our judicial system yeah. is. I've learned so much about our judicial system and I'm appalled. I, I really am. I, I, I've always been somewhat political, but now I'm, I'm becoming more and more political only to create some change sure. in it. Absolutely. So I, I think that just kind of triggered something in my mind. So my, 
day job, I, I'm a manager. I'm an operations mm. manager. And there's this phrase in management that what you ignore, you permit. And I feel like that's exactly where Albuquerque and New Mexico is right now. And if you're listening to this podcast, you really need to wake up. And I, I don't mean to, to sound rude or disrespectful, but I feel like as a community, we need to wake up. Um, the reality of what's happening is tearing the city apart. And I've lived here for over 20 years. Um, I'm a native New Mexican. I moved up to Albuquerque from Socorro when I was 18, um, 21 years. Good grief. Um, and it's always been a challenge. Crime has always been an issue. We've always had uh, sex workers and drug addicts and robberies and all of these things. But in the last, I feel like, 10 years or so, it's just gotten exponentially worse. Um, so get involved. Don't ignore what's happening. Uh, don't stand for it. We don't have to. We pay the taxes that keep the city going. And with, you know, with enough of us speaking up about this and with enough of us voting uh, intelligently about this, we could really make a huge change. So I want to thank you for your time. Is there anything else that you want to add? Um, I want to add on there that we I have put together a um, search and rescue team. So that in future cases like this, um, families aren't left wondering what to do or how to do it. We will step in uh, if the police won't do anything or can't do anything. Uh, we'll step in free of charge. We're in the process of getting a cadaver dog. Uh, I've got ATVs, uh, side-by-sides, things like that. Um, I actually met an acquaintance last night who has volunteered his horses for us uh, for future um search and rescues but it's called the the Colin and Ahmed search and rescue team and will kind of be like if someone goes missing out in the West Mesa or you know is presumed dead we will you know step in and help families free of charge to find them how can they find information about this so the Colin and Ahmed search and rescue team is on Facebook right now but you can contact me or members of my team Um, they basically consist of retired military retired police officers and then you know just some other volunteers that really stepped up during my search they they learned just as quickly as I did on how to actually search for people and stuff so even though we didn't we weren't the ones that found the boys we learned a lot yeah. on how to actually search for people. So again, you can find uh, the Colin and Ahmed Search and Rescue Facebook page, and you can reach out to Amanda directly through there, um, maybe through a message on that. Um, I don't know if you want to give out any more information or websites or anything else, but... Uh, everyone can join us on uh, the also the Facebook page, Justice for Colin and Ahmed. I represent both boys right now. I My son is no more important than Ahmed is, and I, I just... I want to make sure that people know I'm not just fighting for Colin. I'm fighting for Colin and Ahmed. And I'm, I'm fighting for every child that is is wronged in New Mexico. So it's not just about the boys. It is about our youth here in Albuquerque and New Mexico. And, and I'm fighting with you. Thank you. I'm here to fight. And, uh, and I'm going to call people out. And, um, you know, I'll do whatever I can from my side as well. That's awesome. Thank so you. thanks for your time. Of course. Thanks for listening to True Consequences. We are listener supported. If you would like to support us in our efforts, please go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash True Consequences. Patreon subscribers have early access to episodes as well as exclusive content. You can find us on social media at True Consequences Pod on Facebook 
at True Consequences Pod on Instagram and at True Cons Pod on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Thanks for listening and stay safe, New Mexico.